0: again everyone and welcome to graphically novel my name is josh wasta aka fallout fieri and with me as always is the teenage mutant kangaroo
1: <laughs> to
0: my aids epidemic
1: Ooh. <laughs> wow i'm an aids epidemic i guess i got you last time so it's fair Thank you very much, sir. And with us, as usual, the lady with more taste than both of us combined, the lovely and talented, the Baronessa.
2: Thank you, Bear. <laughs> <laughs> and it is my pleasure to introduce our guests for the show, Alison Casaccio. Yes. Did I pronounce it right? Yay! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us uh, for this episode, and I'm super excited. So, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited, too.
0: Before we get deep into it, we have just a couple of uh, housekeeping notes. Uh, this is our first episode back for season three. Woo-hoo! Yay! First note, if you, uh, our listener, have not listened to our mid-break special uh, that Bear came up with in which we talked about our dream team uh, with Vandello check that out that's up right now we will probably be doing more things like that when we hit our brakes yeah that was a fun episode yeah uh and you can see what it looks like when bear's driving
1: how could <laughs> it, this be it's, it's not pretty it's kind of a train wreck <laughs>
0: Note number two: You may have noticed that our website uh, redirects to our Facebook page. That is on purpose. Uh, we kind of looked at the hundred and eighty dollars that it costs a year for a web page, looked at how many people go to the web page versus just straight to their favorite uh, streaming service and or uh, our Facebook page itself, and so made the decision that while we had a very beautiful and lovely website, it really wasn't worth one hundred and eighty dollars a year. And now people won't have to look at my face. <laughs> That too. And then number three, we're going to do something a little different this season. We like, last season we introduced guests. This season I came up with an idea and we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Themed drinks per episode. So, for example, uh, today's episode is Tank Girl. And since I came up with this concept, I will be doing the first episode. Part of this is that nobody else that is getting the drinks knows what they are before we record so that we can record the reaction to them. Because it's the first time, we've done something very special. Our Omaha agent, uh, Jason Taylor, was able to get in a uh, discreet paper bag the drink of choice to Allison as well, who has not opened it and she doesn't know either. So, dun, dun, dun. this is going to be Tank Girl. And for Tank Girl, Tank Girl loves her beer. Tank Girl's also from the 90s. Tank Girl is also from Australia. And there's one Whoa. thing that beer 90s and Australia say to me
1: <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, boy. And that is the oh.
0: big ass Foster's that is a oh. of
1: Try frickin-
3: over <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) um, All right.
4: Oh, this
2: is happening. (laughs) Right now. Do you know, the last time I had Foster's was, ironically, in London. (laughs) But it was the 90s.
1: Were you you near near a prison? I was not. Oh, well. Now, every time I I drink this, I want to headbutt something.
2: I (laughs) I was in an Aussie bar. Oh well, that will do. Yeah, because that's probably <laughs> the only place you can get it in London.
1: <laughs> oh, we've all
0: had our our sip of Fosters. Not as bad as I remember. No, no, actually, and that's interesting because we, we, now you have a beer
1: palate, right? <laughs> it's
2: it's about as bad as I remember it being. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: <laughs>
4: you want to know what we were taking bets on what was what was in the bag? Yeah. You want to yeah. know what the top runner was?
1: What's that? A, Was it a cake
4: in the shape of a kangaroo penis. Oh,
1: well. <laughs> I don't know what a kangaroo penis looks like, but I'm, I'm still scared. Didn't well, you read that that's comic? actually
2: really funny because uh, Tank Girl's supposed first words were cauliflower penis. Nice.
0: All right. <laughs> Allison. Yeah. Can you give us a little breakdown? This is your first time on the show. Uh, yeah. Give us a little breakdown of your experience with comics. Um, how, how did you become a reader of comics? How did what I fall your background? Into them? Yeah. So,
4: in the 90s, I ran a computer gaming business, right? So, we land a bunch of computers together, and it was the 90s, so we didn't buy anything. We just sort of ripped a bunch of copies of Counter Strike and whatever, and then charged college kids and high school kids five bucks an hour to sit and drink Mountain Dew and play games. So, we actually hosted this business inside a comic shop. So, I had, like, early experiences with comics, but only, like, in a little girl way, where your mom would get you an Archie comic or something at the store,
1: right? Uh, Archie. So, my
4: mm. my very, very first exposure to what I consider to be real comics was Dark Horse. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. And, yeah, all right. So, that sort of led into, uh, into things like, like Tanko.
0: Which, you know, w- we will get into uh, the <laughs> 90s, and how very... Very 90s this is. Very 90s. Yeah.
4: It's basically a zine, right? Like it's... Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Okay. Well, let's start then with the movie. Obviously, you jumped at the chance. Like when Tank Girl came up, you were like, mine. And we knew we wanted to get a female perspective, not just Jen's, on this episode. So what is it about Tank Girl the movie? And did you experience the comic before the movie?
4: I did, yeah.
0: Okay, so what was the movie coming out like for you?
4: Um, I think I thought I I thought that that it was it was going to be they weren't going to be able to hit the mark, right? And and if you look back and think about it, there really weren't many comic book movies that had been attempted at that point that I recall certainly. Um, and my opinion to this day, I have a love hate relationship with this movie. My opinion to this day is that. They bought the rights to it because it was edgy and cool and funky and, and then they didn't understand it. And the people involved got it, but I think the studio pushed them to make it more and more and more mainstream. And so it lost some of the edge it could have had, but it still has some glimmer of some of the coolness that, that the comic has.
0: My, my lovely other panelists, Baron and Jen, what were your first experiences with this franchise?
2: I saw the movie first. At that point in time, I was not, uh, yeah, at that point in time, I really wasn't into comics yet. Like I had just been kind of exposed to them, like Archie comics from the grocery store, you know, Cracked, Mad Magazine, that kind of stuff. The cartoons in Playboy, that was about it. (laughs)
1: The cartoons in Playboy
2: were pretty good. They were really good. They were very funny but I saw the movie and it had some people, some actors that I really liked in it. The soundtrack was fucking amazing. And I just really, it's not common to have, especially in the nineties, to have female lead uh, protagonist and to show her as a strong, person, you know, show that right. that lead as as a strong person. I really enjoyed it. It was kind of weird. It was crazy, but I, that's the kind of stuff I like. And then that led me to reading the comic. Upon reflection, after reading the comic and thinking about the movie more, I mean, there are a lot of feminist themes in this movie. Yeah. I love the film. I thought it was great. There. Yeah.
1: This is my first experience with any of the Tank Girl stuff. I had always known I'd always known those, like, quirky edgy women throughout my life and sooner or later it had always come up in conversation have you ever seen tank girl it's kind of like the same kind of people would ever, would tell me have you ever seen hobo with a shotgun you know <laughs> i'm just like no i haven't i haven't seen any of these things um i really identify with insert one of the endless from sandman here uh, well, mm. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it was it was it was always that thing that just kind of kept popping up randomly, but I never really got around to. And after watching the movie, there was definitely a a very modern like Harley Quinn. Like I, I very mm. much got the Harley Quinn like the the liberation of Harley Quinn movie that just popped out. Um, got that feel from the movie. Um, all in all, it was one of those. It, it was a fun ride. It was silly. This being the '90s, I know a lot of chicks that would have been uh, in the green scene that would have just been like, "Oh my god, dude, you really got to come watch this movie with us."
0: Yep. Yeah, that sounds sounds about right. Um, as for me, I am I am not a fan of this franchise, and I I think I'll get into it a little bit later. I think I identified why by reading the comic.
1: Oh, when I read the, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. Later.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I mean, Tank Girl, watching Tank Girl and, and us doing this episode is really Jen's revenge for having to do Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles.
3: <laughs> oh.
2: I <laughs> will I continue <laughs> to have my revenge yeah, sir, <laughs> <For her>. Sir. <laughs> Sirs. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, hey, I didn't think this
1: was that bad. I actually, you know, I, I thought this was kind of cool. So, uh, but. I thought the, this was way better than Lucifer. What? <laughs> right? <laughs> we had this conversation. Yeah,
0: um, I am, I, 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 I and I'm not sure exactly why it was. I was just not impressed with the movie uh, when it came out. Um, you know, and I watched, like, the 90s had some some stuff that I probably shouldn't have liked. Stuff even with iced tea in it, that, or ice cube <laughs> in it, that I shouldn't have liked. Uh, no, no, it was iced tea in this and in Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, but, but it's they just... tried
4: to make it. They tried to make it into something. They tried to write a plot, right? They tried it to happened. write one long ongoing story. And I really do think some of that had to do with the influence of the of the of the execs who are literally asking the writers questions like, "Well, what's what's Tank Girl's backstory? What? Why do we care what she does? How, what's her motivation? I don't need a motivation." She's, she's mad. It's post-apocalyptic. And, and she's right around a tank.
1: Shut up. She's mad. She's drunk. She's (laughs) horny. She has a a tank. It's Benny Hill for
2: 25 year old chicks. Right. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, that was kind of, kind of where I was with it. Um, so Moving on to the comic, as we'll we'll talk about. (laughs) The comic reminded me, especially to your point, it doesn't really have a plot. It reminded me a lot of a foul-mouthed, drunk, horny, Archie comic. Because each issue is, like, encapsulated in its own story. You know, we talked about it on the Archie episode. There's nothing wrong with
1: that. Right, no,
0: no, no, absolutely not. But there's not really a thread from, you know, one story to another, which is fine. You know, that's great. Uh, but yeah, when you when you start to look at the movie, you're like, you could see where they kind of tried to, so, yeah. you know, take some stuff and put it in and it just did not come together. Although the yeah. water bottles were cool. I did right, like right, those.
4: Right, right. Yeah. I think it's really hard. Well, first of all, I don't think you can even discuss the comic without discussing like the the larger zine sort of expression, right? Which everyone likes to say that like the riot girl movement started in the 1990s. And in fact, you'll even find gamers online who will say that Tank Girl started the riot girl movement, which is difficult for a lot of people cuz side note it was written by dudes. Yeah. So <laughs> we like that's uncomfortable, but the zine movement actually started with the punk movement in the late 70s, right? Which then sort of had this DIY vibe to it that then became queer core, which then became the riot girl movement out of that. And that I think is the influence that the writers were using uh, in living in the UK, being exposed to so much more of that than we are here um, in a lot of their original, original writings. Now, how do you take that and give it to Hollywood?
1: Right, you're d- you not not American Hollywood, <laughs> no, <laughs> but seriously. like. No. American movies? No, they're they're just like, "Oh, but how are we going to how are we going to sell this to like the average family right. like yeah. so that they're going to want to come spend money right. on this movie?"
4: Cuz what you really should have done is had the soundtrack done by Bikini Kill and Tribe 8. Right? <laughs> the soundtrack's fantastic. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, and I didn't know this until I was doing research, but Courtney Love curated the soundtrack. That's I I was unaware. Yeah. You know, because she or... kind of became
4: the sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. It's okay. She kind of became the mainstream face of of Riot Girl, and yeah. uh, it's my understanding she was not pleased with that. And honestly, the overall Riot Girl movement was not pleased with it at the time. They were like, she's right. like, I mean, thanks for the mainstream pop version of this, but cool." <laughs> yeah.
0: Right, the ten things I hate about you, of Riot Girl.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I,
0: Getting into the comic, the thing that I noticed right off the bat, it really reminded me of some other '90s comics, especially Johnny and the Homicidal Maniac, out of Jan and Vasquez. Um, which, if any, if anybody's not familiar with Johnny and the Homicidal Maniac, there's a little cartoon called Invader Zim that was hugely popular, <laughs> and he did a comic book that was called. John in The Homicidal Maniac and he does exactly what you think he does and he kills people and he uses their blood to paint a wall because oh. the wall needs to stay wet and it's this whole insane comic and somebody read that and said get that guy a Nickelodeon deal
1: <laughs> uh.
4: Right Unlike the other comic that's very much like this in my mind because like you know how they hide like words everywhere and you have to like right. look for all the it's very zine like right it's all very collage based Oh, that was um, one of my favorite parts the other, of the comic. Yeah, exactly. The other comic that reminds me of that along those same vein is um, Hothead Paisan, Homicidal Lesbian Terrorist. I don't know is, that I've
0: read that one. Oh my
4: gosh, it's fantastic. Um, and there was even like in in, in the 2000s somewhere, there was a, a musical version that was done with like Ani DeFranco and a bunch of... <laughs> like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. It's basically the same sort of thing. It's a, it's a young woman who lives with her cat and she drinks too much coffee, reads too much media, and and then goes out and gets exposed to the patriarchy in these really overblown, like caricature ways, and then murders people much like Johnny Homicide.
0: So, first impressions of the comic, then, Barry, you mentioned that this is your first introduction to the franchise as a whole.
1: Yes, um, honestly, there were there were a lot of things that I saw in here that. Um, There was a lot of i saw a lot of deadpool like a lot of similarities to deadpool because she she breaks the fourth wall often she starts talking about how she's actually in a comic strip uh the scene where she's talking about how oh and this is somebody's attempt to make me go through the rest of the strip nude or you know topless um i thought the artwork was very reminiscent of and you're gonna hate me for this but i thought the artwork was very reminiscent of transmetropolitan okay I can see that like there's a lot of there's a lot of like the evil grins the cigarette hanging out of the mouth the you know randomly ranting to myself or to other people around um a lot of that in there um and, and like we mentioned before just the little bits like the little tidbits that you have to look for they're like the the stuffed animals that have Bubbles and stuff like have speech bubbles and all these, you know, random little bits around that were some of the best parts of the whole comic. All in all, I thought there was a ton of dialogue, like way more dialogue than I expected.
0: Yeah. yeah it is very dialogue driven. Yeah. yeah. Which is interesting for something that starts a tank. Right.
1: Right. <laughs> About
4: halfway through you're like, I want more tank, less talking.
0: <laughs> yeah. More tanking.
4: But I think some of that, again, not to like harp on the zine thing, but that was the purpose of the zines. It was a, it was an activist movement, right? It was right. all third wave feminism and we're reclaiming words that are used against us and blah blah blah. Not to right. all right. that. like, it's all really right. important, but like, th- I think that's why it's so verbage heavy is because the zines at the time were like that too. And I think that's their influence.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So for uh, those who have been familiar with the, the comic, I have actually not been. This is the first time I've actually read Tank Girl, the comic, just because the movie kind of turned me off of it. Um, but I can see a lot, you know, to your point of why I was not as invested in it because it was Hollywooded up. and and it. But it was also Hollywooded up in a way that I don't feel a lot of a lot of movies have tried to do, but not many have succeeded in. Um, and that is making your movie showing its comic book roots by somehow tying it to be comic booky. y um, And I'm thinking specifically of movies that did it much better. Um, so like Dick Tracy. You know, the sure. Dick Tracy movie with Warren Beatty, it wasn't like, this is a comic book. They did it through costuming and they did it through set design. And so it looked... Sin City. Sin City was done in a black and white right. style but it was made to look like the Frank Miller comic it came from. The Phantom. The Phantom yeah uh, again and probably the best example in my mind and uh, episode for later this season Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim actually does all of the comic booky stuff and actually puts it in the movie um, which is one of my favorite parts. Right but it's somehow... Skirts the line where it's not campy, where it's not like '60s Batman bad.
2: Why is campy bad? That's that's what I think. I think that's the line for you and I. Yeah, like campy is fantastic. I love campy, and you don't, right? And I I mean, you're talking about how like you didn't like the animated sequences.
0: Yeah, I just I thought that that was a
2: great combination and a great nod to the comic. You know because the movie was, I think, the, the only drawback for me was that it was too. I mean, okay, think about Mad Max and mm. how gritty and dirty and dark that is.
4: Mm.
2: It, this the movie almost felt too bright, whitewashed, too clean. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, and that's the only negative comment that I would have to say about the film.
4: And so, and the thing to remember, I think, about the live action sequences. I think the reason they did not come off as it's in this middle ground, right? It's in this like really beige middle ground. It's not gritty enough and not like grungy enough for the people who love the comic. It's not like comic booky enough for people who love comics in general. The, the director I think got it. The director understood and she was totally on board. The director worked with John Waters previously. Yeah. Okay.
2: (laughs) Yep. <laughs> right.
4: So, like that dance sequence, right yeah, in the yeah. in silver, like um, that's that's a hundred percent John Waters influence. Yes. I think.
1: Yes. Like, right. Like, who well, decides that's... to
4: dance in the middle of saving your your niece from a pedophile?
1: Oh, I don't know. I've seen I've seen a lot of musicals, so <laughs> they, they they stop and dance wherever the hell they want. Right.
0: <laughs> so, on that note <laughs> of of dancing while saving your niece from a pedophile. <laughs> Has this franchise aged well in a modern context, both the movie and the comic book? Or is it specifically a product of its time and it's kind of a time capsule there?
2: Well, I think it's a little bit of both. It is definitely the the film and the comic are a snapshot into that time. A lot of the themes are still very pertinent today. Oh, I'm I'm just going to go with, yes, it's aged well. It still fits the time, as well as being kind of that, as I said, snapshot into era in which it was created.
4: Yeah, I agree. It's this, it's this snapshot that says, hey, we're all about DIY and we're all about zines and we're all about being angry about the fact that things don't go the way we want, right? Like, but, but it does it with such a fantastic sense of humor, right? Yes. Like in the scene yep. where, and I'm hoping I'm not spoiling, can you spoil a really old movie? Maybe.
0: No, no, um, movie, movies is completely on the table for spoilers. Okay. Yeah, okay. comic, you moved to okay. things. Yeah, yeah.
4: So, so in the scene where basically she's, what they water it down to is the guy leaning in and touching her face. But the scene is actually supposed to represent like she's about to be raped. She takes her thighs and cracks the guy's neck, and all the marines pull their guns, and she's like, "What?" Right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like it, so it has all the right pieces, I I don't know if it has translated well to today, except for those of us that were, that rode along in that movement, right? If you listen to a lot of girl punk, if you were like screaming a lot about this stuff, if you thought for even half a moment, maybe I'll make my own zine, then this, this cartoon chick is still on the back of an old jacket in the back of your closet.
3: Yep. So... (laughs) So he's kind of on
2: board no matter what. <laughs> yeah. I have always wondered if it, if the movie didn't do well because the the main character is unapologetic about her crassness, about what she wants, what she's willing to do to get it, and I wonder if it didn't do well because that's a woman in that role. Oh, so that, absolutely. that's yeah.
4: absolutely the case. There's a. Um, you know the scene where she is in the freezer in the straight jacket. Um, apparently, um, IMDb says that that was one of the scenes that went. The audiences loved that there was a ton of stuff that they cut out of it, and every single joke was like comedy gold in that. Right? Of course, everyone's favorite is like, "Hey, the straight jacket makes it really hard for me play myself."
3: Yeah. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah.
4: Right. And and the reason the producers cut it is because they said that the actress didn't look
2: attractive she looked too ugly so clearly
4: you yes. don't understand dang girl
2: <laughs> right well and i i also in my research read that um the director uh rachel Talalay yeah, didn't yeah. have any control over how the film was edited right which how do you not let your director edit their own film yeah exactly yeah. exactly i think
4: I think this is common for that era where they bought something that was funky and cool and they were like, you know, the kids are into it, but didn't understand it. And so then had difficulty letting go of that control because you got millions of dollars sunk into this. Right. Yeah. What happens if it flops?
1: Yeah. We have to bring it back to our formula just in case we can, we can give it the flavor of being edgy and cool, but it has to maintain our formula so that we still make money off of it. Right. Yep. Yep.
0: Well, and the one thing that I will give the movie is Lori Petty was perfect. Yeah. Like reading and, you know, I really was only that familiar with her out of A League of Their Own, Um, you know, and then obviously she was very well versed because she was another one, You, you know, she got it. She yeah. understood what she was trying to do, and she's acting her ass off to try and be the tank girl from the comics. It's just that everything around her isn't isn't the tank girl from the comics and that's right. that's the issue that's the you know oh,
1: no, yeah. She,
0: yeah. she is in a completely different world than you know uh anyone else than than Ice tea the kangaroo or Malcolm McDowell or you know <laughs> anybody else she is. She thinks that she's in that episodic, you know, I'm going to go in here, I'm going to be quirky, I'm going to be unapologetic, and then we're going to move on, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she has to stay there <laughs> and deal with Malcolm fucking McDowell. <laughs> right. <laughs> Are you,
2: bringing plot you don't to the do Malcolm McDowell?
0: I like Malcolm McDowell in a lot of things. The problem is, is that this character was trying, trying to be like the... Sergeant from the second um, issue that we read where that was yeah. like her her mentor figure. But in the comic, it's wacky and stupid and weird and, and campy-ish, right. you know? And the way that that's resolved. Well, you that is not a villain. Tank Girl does not have a villain. Tank Girl doesn't oh. have a nemesis. Tank, Tank, Girl, Tank Girl's nemesis
1: oh. is the world.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, she's effortless in it. So you, you won't have a struggle on film. You're just following this girl around for an hour and a half and watching her decimate everything. And that's what the comic was. Yeah.
4: So, so speaking of that character, though, let's say we remade the movie today and we went straight from the comics. How do you go to Hollywood and say, OK, I'm going to need Malcolm McDowell to be this like general, right? And we're going to go after, we're going to go save the president from his own diarrhea. Like, I mean, yeah.
1: yeah, right, yes, I would love that to be done in 2020. Let's put 2020 down as the time frame for this because, yes,
0: well, and that goes into my second question. Um, a, can you translate this for a modern audience? Should it be done, and if so, who would be the actors in it?
1: Yes, yes, and let's just grab people from the Harley Quinn movie. <laughs> Uh, so Margot Robbie is uh, yes
4: no. I don't think Margot, Margot Robbie's Robbie. right I no, mean I she's don't so she's fabulous for Harley, but Harley is a much later incarnation of this kind of strong feminine character now, gamer dudes maybe don't see the the difference there, right, but like. I just don't think my, I don't think my, I don't think
2: she's right for it. Yeah, I would. I actually had to look up her name, <laughs> but uh, uh, Chloe Chloe Moretz, She was in Five Hundred Days of Summer, Kick Ass, and Let Me In. Kick-Ass is a movie I
4: would pull people from. I didn't even think about that.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, she was Hit Girl, wasn't she, in Kick-Ass?
2: Uh, yeah. Because
0: she was in that when she was young. Yeah, she, she was, was Hit Girl.
2: Um, but she is, I think, young enough. And and I think she could, if you haven't seen 500 Days of Summer, I highly recommend it. It's very good. Um, but she can play, like, it's just, she can turn on a dime. Like, what her character can just be like, oh, I'm this sweet person and like, don't fuck with me kind of right? thing. So I think she'd be really good. I mean, what
4: about, this is totally out of the box and stupid, but what, <laughs> what about what about all the bands that generated this sort of vibe in the first place? I mean, the the women, maybe the women in Bikini Kill are still out touring, but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: See, right. and I would do that as, um, are you familiar with uh, Six String Samurai? Yes. Okay, so in that, the Red Elvises show up as the, like and are playing yes. a musical number during a fight. Yes. I see doing that. that you know, with bikini yes. kill, you yes. know, and then just have things like that happening and right. have it just be that indie film. See, and that's the problem. It can't be Hollywood. No. It, you have to do this as, a, as an independent film at this point, yeah. just because yeah. you, that that way you keep those sensibilities.
1: Um that's yeah. why wouldn't you want to see you get a Sundance Award? <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, also I just remembered there is a wrestler, a professional wrestler, who whose moniker is tank girl and she actually has a tank and she drives it. Yes. <laughs> I have to look this up right
0: now. <laughs> it's
2: fabulous.
0: Yeah, she's an NXT. Yep. Um, although speaking of that, uh that's that's funny that you mentioned that because Becky Lynch would be one of the people because she's starting, you know, she's having kids and things and she might not be going into wrestling. She would be fun because she's got, you know, the Irish accent. She's got the ass kicker. And she's not, I mean, like her most famous moments in wrestling were she broke, legitimately broke her nose in the middle of the ring, wiped the blood over her hand and just held it up to basically be like, I'm coming for you. (laughs) Oh, Oh, and it was, and and, and at that moment, she had this whole projection where, from that point on, she was the man. Yeah, you know, and so she, she has the sensibility that punk rock kind of kind of thing. She would be a really good yeah. Oh, also
2: hashtag. She didn't break her own nose. Someone no, someone
0: broke her nose. (laughs) Right? Right. Yeah. Yes, in that case.
2: Well, but the the further description of where she wiped the blood and said "I'm coming for you" made it sound like she punched herself. Oh.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Super crazy. I wonder how a, a remake like this would so one, would impact current audiences, right? Because we're no longer 25, and in fact, one of the one of the criticisms of the Riot Girl movement is that it wasn't as inclusive as it could have been. It was basically middle class white chicks, right?
2: Right. And
4: right. and we could have done a better job of, right, making it, it broader and actually attacking issues. But, dude, it's a bunch of 25-year-olds. did the best you could. Right. Um. But now all these 25-year-olds are 45. And now we, or I older. think, are yeah, older, more <laughs> mature. We've recognized, oh, the reason I maybe wanted to wear, like, giant combat boots and black makeup and all black clothing is because what I was really doing was rejecting like societal feminine roles. And as a 45 year old, <laughs> I can say, oh no, it's okay for me to be strong and have a little scarf with pink flowers on it if I want right? And so how do you, I, I don't know if it can be translated because I don't know if that same audience, I mean, we'll go for the nostalgia, but are we gonna go and is it gonna be meaningful to where our lives are today?
1: Well, here's my question. Is it, is it more important that the people from that generation that, that started the movement bring now their teenage and 20-something daughters and encourage them into something that was remade for today's audience.
2: Well, and and I think that, you know, bringing up what the world is today, um, I'm not sure that a younger audience, I don't resonate with them. As much. I mean, maybe, no, maybe. Yeah. But... I
4: think they've moved on to another wave of feminism. And like when I talk to even millennials who are, you know, adults, right? When I talk to millennials, I recognize how regressive my own <laughs> my own stuff is, right? Like because you don't mm-hmm. think about it. You're just like, yeah, let's legalize prostitution and punch everybody in the face. Yeah. <laughs> and turns out not that everybody that
0: just Nazis.
4: Really like help society be more equal and masculinity is not is not the opposite of of femininity really right and so that's what tank girl does tank girl takes on all this she co-ops masculinity she rides on her tank with the with the gun between her legs right and i think a modern audience younger audience i don't know that they need to do that anymore
0: right yeah no i i would imagine that they will fixate on things like fucking kangaroos
4: yeah
1: no that's
2: where you fix it
1: (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i was a little you know fixated on that for the first like half a dozen episodes of the comic i was just like she's just randomly banging every kangaroo that she comes oh no it was just the one and then she's got one that she keeps okay
4: and notice that she's much kinder to booga in the movie yeah in the comic she's using him because he's dumb yeah. oh absolutely. Right. right
0: so uh the versions that we read the ver- i read both but um i know the the physical version that we bought bear was the colorized yes um the files that we had um for the for the version were black and white.
2: Yep. And that was Definitely. my experience. With right. The black and
0: white. And Allison, which one did you read?
2: Initially,
4: like back in the day, the black and white. But I went ahead and and, and got the colorized version. I mean, I actually got the first two books just because I haven't Buzz. had anything. You know what I mean? If you guys <laughs> yeah. did something on the Max, I would buy every Max comic, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be a good one, too. You'd have to find oh, a media so copy much. of the Max cartoon, though. And yeah. I don't think that really uh, exists in a way that you could get it that easily. You can
3: get yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or the head.
4: Oh, right.
0: <laughs> Did you find that the colorized version influenced Europe differently? I actually preferred the black and white version. I thought the colorized was, you know, the. I thought it was over colorized like Technicolor like remaster of the old black and white movies. I haven't
2: even seen it. <laughs>
0: well, you know what? Here it is. Right. It's, bright. Bright.
4: it's yeah. very bright. They use lots of greens, and especially given that we're we're in the post apocalyptic outback. Right. Yeah. A lot of green and yellow
2: and blue. Oh. And... Yeah, I don't like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but do you see what I mean? It's like a
2: it looks, you know what it looks like to me, just glancing through it. It reminds me of, of an Archie comic.
4: You know, Bear mentioned Transmet, right? It, mm-hmm. yeah, so you've, uh, got, you've got Tank Girl, and then we move into that land of, of Transmet. And I think the colorized version is Tank Girl after they've seen Transmet,
1: <laughs> you know? I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with that in the least. It's also It's also pop art.
0: It's yeah. very, very pop art. Um, yeah. And but I only really know really... about that. I only know that phrase because it's all over my
2: house. It's all over your house. But <laughs> I also feel like the colors are really muddy. They're kind of dull. You know, It, it it's like overkill, like too much color. But the colors are all in a very um, uh, muted range, even the bright color. Like they, they are only yeah, a few true. colors that are bright, but it's all kind of a muddied. Right. Palette, palette,
0: yeah. So, uh, anyone else with any questions that they brought?
2: Mm. I did want to um, point out what I was mentioning about uh, the politi- politis- politiliza- political Politicalization. No. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, of the comic, um, so uh, the counterculture in the UK used Tank Girl and the image and the idea um, to uh, um, protest Margaret Thatcher's legislation of clause 28, which was that the local authority shall not intentionally promote homosexuality or publish material with the intention of promoting homosexuality or promote the teaching in any maintained school of the acceptability of homosexuality as a pretended family relationship. Wow.
4: Which then again, connects it back to sort of that, that zine culture and queer yes. core.
1: And yes. mm-hmm. I think
4: it's everyone kind of came along with it, you know?
1: Everybody jump in the tank, we're going for a ride. <laughs> right. Yep.
4: And they sort of hint at her sexuality in the movie. It's hard to pin down the sexuality of a girl who sleeps with mutant kangaroos. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: That—that—that's yep. yeah, pretty much on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> you're willing to sleep with a mutant kangaroo. Well, no. You're yeah. probably not super picky.
4: Right. I guess she's a goer. But like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. I don't. I don't know. Like at the same time, it also makes it really unimportant. Like her sexuality is not is not it it's not important because she's so crass and crude if that makes sense she has a hat called her dump hat that she takes poops in right,
1: right. <laughs> yeah.
4: and and our our society is like ooh, women women don't do twosies right like they're just very <laughs> right So you're already flying in the face of that. It's almost like whether or not she has sex with men or women kangaroos is probably irrelevant.
1: (laughs) Well, one of the other things that I I found very uh, interesting was just in the the introduction, first comic in the the graphic novel, um, they introduce her as basically, you know, they describe her as being, you know, crass and all that. But one of the key lines that sticks out was like uh, knickers that haven't been washed in over a week. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So it's just like, okay, you've already you already figured out just from like one paragraph. We've got this, this woman pegged down that now that we just want to see what she's gonna do. We're yes. not really interested. Like that's enough of her backstory for me. Like and she's in it <laughs> Go ahead. I was gonna say she's in a tank. She's she's a dirty drunk in a tank. It's, it's kinda like once again, it's kinda like Hobo with a shotgun. Right. Except for this yeah. is the female version. And it's a chick with a tank.
0: Well, and right. she, she fucks a bounty because it's easier to put them unaware right Right, after sex so you can shoot them.
4: No, exactly that. And I think the reason it got such, why there's such a love-hate relationship for a lot of people with it, is that uh, because she's not a dude. But if you take that description and apply it to a generic 20s dude in a comic, we're all bored.
2: Right. Right?
1: Because that's
4: that's the standard.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, super unapologetic, like, apathetic dude that's
4: that doesn't just, wash oh, his underwear I,
1: I, I work with one of those <laughs> like I, seriously I've got, I've got a kid at work that just he doesn't care he he's just kind of there to collect the paycheck and yeah that's this but if it's if it's a woman that becomes more interesting because you in know in this society women aren't supposed to be like that they're not supposed and there's to be a weird, unapologetic
4: yes and there's a weird sort of sexuality that a weird sort of beauty, maybe, that underlies a lot of this too. That like, like you said, Bear, that the the issue where she's like, oh, I see somebody's trying to make me topless through the whole thing. She's not afraid of the fact that, you know, she's got, you know, semi big knockers and is like, like, her femininity is something.
1: Yeah, no, right? she's absolutely she just, not afraid of it. She's just gonna roll with it.
4: She treats right. it just as crassly as a random dude on the street would.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that is the part brings
0: me back to Lori Petty being the comic book tag girl and everything else around her being a PG-13, you know, yes. Malcolm McDowell movie. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just she is being like, oh, OK, well, if I'm going to whip my top off, I don't give a whatever boobies, yeah. you know. And then somewhere, somewhere there's a, there's a studio exec being like, "Wow, well, we have to keep this family friendly. And I'm right. like, well, you bought the wrong fucking property.
4: <laughs> did you guys see, I don't know how much research you did on like the the weird trivia of the movie, but did you guys see that they actually had a scene where her and Booga are sort of relaxing after sex and they do this shot where they show her tits and then they show a prosthetic that they made for Booga that cost them $5,000 that showed his kangaroo cock. And it was cut because-
1: Why haven't I seen this? I I think you can actually find clips of it
4: on YouTube.
0: $5,000 kangaroo cock is the name of my silver chair cover band.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You mean it's not the name of your Nickelback cover band? No, no, (laughs) silver
0: chair is from Australia. Oh, well. Which is populated with criminals, Uh, and criminals
1: are used to it. (laughs) Here we go. We're going to quote this movie from that point on.
4: I think... <laughs> no. ab- I, so I watched it last night again, just as a refresher. I think I quote that movie in my normal life more than I
2: realized. <laughs> I probably do too, without realizing, without it. realizing yeah. it. Yeah.
0: I will actually say I will probably watch the movie again now that I've read the comic, because there are parts of the comic that I enjoyed, and again, that I can now from the parts that I remember you know that we watched pretty recently there's that divide and now I'm fascinated with that divide of Lori Petty being a comic book tank girl and everything else around her being a PG-13 movie well
2: but I think that Malcolm McDowell does a good job of being like arguably a good villain but he's also super comical like he's not like he can be threatening but he's I, I just feel like he brought a lot of comic book esque villainy to and the, he's good to at his
4: giving own. her the spotlight yeah
0: mm-hmm. he's
4: good at giving her the the zingers right mm-hmm.
0: usually our last question of every episode is would you continue reading this uh, obviously Allison we know your answer <laughs> as I, you have I, I write
4: it you guys want to do it
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm down <laughs>
0: So Jen, is this is this going, continued to go in our collection?
2: Oh yeah, of course it has to.
1: <laughs> Bear, would you continue reading this? I, I would put the, this would be a coffee table book for me. Oh like, yeah. I yeah. would leave this out, but anybody that walks in be like, what's this? Oh dude, here, you know, you read this. Dude, yeah. Just, just flip through you know, just it. Just take yeah. the first like 10, 20 pages and you know, I'm, I'm going to go make us a drink. I'll, I'll come back, tell me what you think. Right. Yeah, and now then we can like, have
4: a conversation about gender sexuality and third-rate feminism.
1: Right, that'll be fun
4: over coffee
1: and and shagging kangaroos. (laughs) Voodoo Missile (laughs) Tits,
0: voodoo missile tits. Wow, name of my David Bowie cover band, right? I actually would, I I did enjoy the comic. Like I said, it reminded me a lot of a lot of other 90s comics. And whereas I probably won't go back and collect Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, you know, a a lot of those things that I enjoyed in the 90s just because they were gore for gore's sake and you know this one had that but it also actually had a message so i probably would would continue any other final thoughts anybody
4: i want a tank girl doll did they ever make those because i have a transmet doll action figure. Oh, I,
0: I do have a transmet action figure yeah.
4: yeah,
0: came with a two-headed cat
4: mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: hmm. uh well allison thank you so much <laughs> yeah. for joining thank us you. this is fun uh we'll we'll see what comes up for season four, and if we can get you back. So uh, tune in next week. Our next episode will be Venom, Ooh. which we will have two Joshes joining me. Mm-hmm. So we'll have three Joshes, a bear and a Jen, mm-hmm. like two guys, a girl and a pizza place. <laughs> We're
1: going to have Josh cubed.
0: That's true. Yes. Jen and bear. Okay. So we'll have uh, Josh Saley, Josh Forbes uh, joining us as we talk about the uh, 2018 Venom movie. Spider-Man 3 and Venom Dark Origins, the comic.
1: Do do we have to talk about Spider-Man 3? No. Okay, good. No, as little.
0: I tried (laughs) to watch it yesterday, and I forgot that Venom, or even Eddie Brock, is only in it for about... Ten minutes yeah, total. Well,
1: I, I, I walked in on you watching it, and I was just kind of like, ooh, "Ooh, do you need a do you need a moment alone?" To... <laughs> Sorry, put a sock on the door next time. I was
0: about to say, "Would you rather walk in on me watching Spider Man Three
1: or masturbating?" Uh, I think I'd rather. I think I'd rather the latter.
2: <laughs> Are those my only choices?
1: How long have you lived with me? I I know I'm. I'm, I know I'm going to see less disturbing images if I walk in on you, (laughs) master. There will be no teeth on Topher Grace, or
0: will there? Oh Oh, no. Anyway, join us then. Uh, Thank you for listening, and as always, take it away, Vandello.
3: Old trouble, villains always knocking at the door. Pretty pictures on the page, but nothing ever stays the just get along my mask is no different than yours pretty pictures on the screen but nothing's ever